All right, we're here doing the pre-show. We have a special guest. We have Kenny Gold. Hello. And uh, he does Hop Culture. Hop, Hopculture.com. Hop Culture, that's right. I'm like, I get wrong, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Hop Culture Magazine. So tell us about... Well, well, I well, we're going to ask that question in the main show. Well, right, Do you want but the I mean, answer twice? Well, I, I think that some people start listening right here, right? So Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, a daily online lifestyle magazine for the newest generation of drinker. So 18, 19... <laughs> yeah, we, we get them <laughs> 21. <early. laughs> no, we, we primarily create content for um, people in their 20s, um, 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, what the Brewers Association actually says is the um, largest demographic of craft beer drinkers, millennials. I, I can see that. Yeah. So um, so why are you on this show? We just turned 40, both of us. <laughs> you guys are cool. I listen to you. <laughs> give me your glass. I'll give you a taste uh, of this. Here we go. We Thank used you. to be 20-something. Well, we, still, we started when we were in our 20s. Late. Thank you, Late, sir. early 20s. Yeah, I'm in my very, very late 20s. Very yeah. late 20s. Yeah. You you look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is Summit's double IPA. If you oh, want to take a look at it. Thank you. We don't so, normally like evaluate the pre-show beer. We kind of just just hang out with yeah, the pre-show yeah. beer. So now, but you can't drink alcohol. Uh it is a an interesting twist yeah. in, in the story. I am the editor in chief of a online craft beer magazine that uh, at present cannot drink. So why not? I mean, is there, well, I mean, without going, if you don't want to get too much into it, I understand. Yeah, too deep into my medical history. Um, So something that we really focus on with the magazine um, is the story behind the beer. Um, Both my co-founder and I used to work full-time for a uh, Manhattan-based magazine and trained as journalists. Mm -hmm. And we were very frustrated by what we saw in the brewing industry and the media that was surrounding the brewing industry. Um, I think there's definitely a place for, um, you know, reviews. We wanted to go for stories though. Um, we wanted to figure out not what something was, but, but why it was, um, what is this revolution we're seeing? Why are there 5,000 breweries popping up across the country? Um, why now? And, um, yeah. So to, to really hone in on that, I don't think requires a ton of drinking. Um, it's a no, lot I of mean, interviewing. You, a lot you don't of, need a total lot of drinking to get stories, that's yeah. for sure. And stories are the way in which we really convey information, sure. particularly to people who aren't focused strongly on the subject. Right? Sure. I, I could talk to somebody about bittering and stuff like that. If, if they have no idea what IBUs are, that it, it's nonsense. Sure. So telling a story is a great way to to get them to understand what they're what they're looking at without having them to go through all the mental gymnastics and understand all the little equations. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so for our demographic too, the people that that we're really writing for, um, I think maybe you've had a Dale's Pale Ale um, or a Dogfish Head at a party and enjoyed it, um, but you don't know what you know, lupulin powder is mm-hmm. and to really get into the sort of the nitty gritty of, um, off flavors. And, um, it's something that we know about. It's something that we study, um, as, as journalists and writers, but, um, it's funny. It's a, it's an interesting story. The editor in chief of a beer magazine who, uh, can't drink. <laughs> well, we all have 
<laughs> we all have issues, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just have to have, you know, you said you're focusing on the stories. doesn't require sure. drinking. Sure. If you do have tasting columns and things like that, just have someone else do it, right? Exactly. And there's no shortage of people who are interested in doing beer reviews. Right, right. <laughs> I think it's a pretty compelling job. Be a writer. Um, <laughs> Which leads to some issues. Um, for example, <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about this on the Mangio, but I was going to bring this up. Uh, I, there, there's a a magazine that, <clears throat> excuse me, we get sent every day, Beer Connoisseur. I don't know if you've heard of sure, them. Sure, yeah. Uh, and I, I, there was an article that came across, I think it was Tuesday. Um, the Daily Story, let's see here. Which was... Now I'm trying to find it. I apologize for the delay here. <laughs> it was it, it it was a terrible um, title for the story. <laughs> Do you have the gist? They were talking about beer glasses, which is fine, but the title of it was debunking the beer glass. But it was about why beer glasses are good, why different stuff, what different beer goes in different goodness. But it was right. called debunking. Hmm. Like, but so they weren't debunking anything. <laughs> it's like right. a mystery. It was, it was yeah. you know, explaining headline, the beer glass. Sure. <laughs> headline writers often don't. Yeah. Aren't the article writers. Greg loves the, the uh, beer connoisseur uh, rankings. They are the reviews. worst. <laughs> I say that because... If you take a look at their, because we get these every day. I, sure. I never asked for them, but I, but it's going to the main our beer email, so I don't mm-hmm. unsubscribe. Um, but we get these reviews, and every single one of them is in the high nineties. Mm. And I took a look at their entire selection of review, their entire goals of reviews, and the lowest beer they've ever ranked is is seventy. Mm. So. What does that mean that a 90 or a 94, if the lowest rank is a 70? If you're automatically granting 70 points, then it seems to be a very silly... It's it's a really interesting question, and it's the reason that, uh, to this day, we have never actually reviewed a beer on Hop Culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we've written about beers that we really like, um, but even then, it's about uh, the story behind the beer. Um, we talk to the brewers how the beer was invented um where the name comes from um you know what it signaled in the industry if it was the first of its kind uh but we've never to this point um actually reviewed a beer on the site (laughs) um yeah especially when yeah the point that you bring up it's hard it's hard especially when you're a beer magazine Mm -hmm. right because uh you have advertisers right who might how do you manage that? How yeah, do you stay unbiased. I mean, I guess you could say, you know, we keep our editorial side different from our advertising sure. side, period. And, you know, you can make that, but that's hard, especially when you're a young business, mm. to to maintain that integrity and still keep the money flowing in. Totally. Yeah. So so it's an interesting question and um I don't I don't have an answer. I guess our answer is we don't don't, do, don't do, we do it. Do yeah, yeah, just avoid it. Uh, that's kind of our answer too. In, in 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 essence, we avoid seeking out ads from beer companies. Sure, uh, because we don't. And we avoid seeking out ads in, in general, 
But we avoid seeking out ads from beer companies particularly because we, we don't want to get into that entanglement. It's, it's, it's bad for everybody. Sure. I think that's pretty noble. I don't think a beer company has <laughs> ever have said, here, have some money. So, no, but they <laughs> have not, said, of course, have some beer. But yeah. not beer companies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's been some companies that have sent us beer one time and one time only. So, Craft Beer Radio <laughs> cannot be bought. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to. Well, I mean, if they, it's over to supply those mics. And preamps. <laughs> yeah. You're on honorable man. <laughs> a couple of shurs and preamps show up next week, courtesy of... <laughs> So we'll talk more about Blue your magazine Moon. on the show. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about some other stuff while we're on the, sure. uh, the pre-show. Um, Jeff. Yes? You... Jeff. I watched Legion. You watched Legion. I did. Fantastic. I've been watching Legion. Have you, have you seen... I uh, haven't seen Legion, no. It's great. I've heard of Legion. It's, it's great. Did you see Fargo? I saw Fargo. Same it's, guy. Same guy. Okay. No, so it's... Superhero show, but written, you know, with like Fargo type in tones. Minnesota, <laughs> uh, Mr. Robot type tones. Oh, it's, nice. it's all about storytelling. It's an it's it's a show about char- these characters, mm. uh, and the fact that they are superheroes is, I mean, it's you know germane to the plot, but it's it's a character study of, of these characters more so than a Captain America movie. Sure. So it it's really. Um, about taking this concept, the superhero concept, and turning it into something more than just, you know, oh, it's an adventure. About something about the psychological states of these people and, and what it was about. That, that's kind of what the show is. And it's it's fun because it's taking it on these all these new interesting angles and just making a really great show with a bunch of new things that I haven't seen before done, mm-hmm. but also doing it in this universe where there are super people. Sure. So we get two thumbs up on Legion. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. What uh, it's it sometimes like, man, like because it's the Fargo guy, it's like it's hard to follow. Sometimes <laughs> there's a lot going on. You're like, yeah. I have to go back and watch a whole act over again to figure out like what the heck just happened. Yeah, what what network is it on? FX. 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 Cool. There are six it. episodes in, I think. Five or six, six episodes of eight. Yeah, so not not a huge amount. Season of TV. one. Yeah. There's so much good TV these days. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's uh, we talk about it in the pre and post show. We are in a golden age. Well, one thing that's interesting is that there, there are rumors, whispers of another writer's strike coming down the line. Ooh. So if that happens, then you may have a chance to catch up because there won't be a lot of TV being produced. The return those. of the reality show? Yeah. Get some great new writers on uh, hopculture.com. <laughs> But we'll see if that comes to pass. Last one was uh, the last strike. I don't know if you remember when it happened. It was around uh, ten years ago, and it was they they struck for about six months or so, and they didn't get any of their <laughs> calls. They got like nothing out of it. Oh so man, it was just a waste. <laughs> I remember the one pre- previous to that, right? That was when reality TV like broke through. Uh-huh. Because of the right the writers' strike and you know the Mark Burdett kid said, "Hey, let's do Survivor. We don't need no stinking writers." Right. And, I do remember uh, that. And then from then on, it was uh, for a good ten years. It was reality show central. Yeah, I was thinking of the the hockey lockout. I don't know why when you said writers' strike. <laughs> yeah, they had a, the players players yeah. association. Yeah, <laughs> same kind of deal, I guess, but just um, hockey's. 
people are much more trans, <laughs> much more in your face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whereas you know you don't necessarily notice the writers. Um, I mean, you notice if, if you care about TV a lot, but not a lot of people did. Yeah, more people do now. I think but now it'll be. Uh, I mean, it's people, hard to say. People, sure, people do. More people are watching good serialized dramas and things like that. Uh-huh. You know, when you tell somebody that their Game of Thrones is going to be interrupted, oh no. Then, Don't tell me that. Yeah, then <laughs> that, that's that's something that actually affects people. You scared me for a second. I, I mean, there are, do, do the online networks have? Oh yeah. I mean, same same, same, same guild. Same or, guild. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, do they have an advantage here? Or are they, but I guess they're not hiring. No, and it, part of the reason why they want to strike is because they don't feel like they're getting enough money from streaming and stuff like that. Hmm. So no, the streamers, in fact, are. Right. I was thinking more of the original content, not the the streaming royalties. But. Well, I mean, that, that's that's the thing is is if these companies are making X amount of money off of it in the mm-hmm. stuff that these writers did work to make, they should get some of the profit. Right. Effectively, it's about profit sharing. Sure. And um, the fact that networks can run this stuff over and over and over again and make money off it, but then at a certain point for the writers, they stop making money mm-hmm. off it. Gotcha. Juicy topics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I was reading this. Oh, it was a link on FARC. Uh, this CNN, CNBC link. Uh, somebody, f- futurist, wrote a book, and somebody was reviewing this book and, and took, it, took everything okay. he wrote seriously and was talking about mini nukes and mosquito-like robot weapons wow. for warfare. But what the, the funny thing to me was... They're the line about the mini nuke because mini-nuke. here's what they say about the mini nuke. Uh, Del Monte is a writer, or, or this, this guy is talking about Del Monte. He says he expects they represent the most horrific near term nano weapons. He calls them near term. Uh, nanotechnology opens up the possibility to manufacture mini nuke components so small they are difficult to screen and detect. Furthermore, the weapon capable of an explosion equivalent to about 100 tons of TNT, would be compact enough to fit in a pocket or purse and weigh about five pounds and destroy large buildings. So let's talk about something that's five pounds. Mm. Um, the mini-nuke is activated when a nanoscale laser triggers a small thermonuclear fusion bomb using a tritium-deuterium fuel. Of course. This is beyond silly. <laughs> <laughs> because this is what they're trying to do with the National Ignition f- Facility. Mm. I don't know if you've read about this, uh, but this is a big facility out in California where they are firing like 100-something lasers at a tiny pellet, and they're putting in megawatts of power to get this to do it. And they're still having trouble huh. because they need more lasers. And this guy is saying you can do it in a five-pound five box, a little little box. Where are you going to get those megawatts of power? Where- it's talking about near term yeah, was, innovation, though, right? Sure. So. Yeah, near term. You, there's no way to get that kind of power. I mean, you, oh, in near order term's to, relative. <laughs> in order term to relative. 300 years, this could be near term and to uh, scale. I rode in a self driving Uber the other day. Te- Technology <laughs> oh, really? is coming, yeah. I've seen those. Um, but te- technology in terms of energy density is not coming. Sure. And. <laughs> That is the kind of thing that if, if you have the power to make that kind of laser, then you already have that power already. You don't need to make a nuke. So that, a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, right. Because 
I mean, we can do nuclear fusion, mm-hmm. right? We just have to make a big fucking bomb. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have incredible <laughs> right. uh, density and pressure in order to initiate fusion. Right. You need a fission bomb to set off your fusion bomb. Mm-hmm. Can't do fission yet, can we? No, well, no, no. We we can't do fusion power plants. Sure, but we can do fusion. We, we can, can do fusion okay. in a big way. You can do fusion in a <laughs> tiny way. We can do fusion <laughs> p- blowing up half the Earth if we wanted to, but it's in this uncontrolled. Way right, right? Sure. a bomb. So they're trying with the. You can nat- do. You, you can also do fusion. You can do fusion fine, but getting more energy out of it than mm. you put in is, right, is right, the problem. Right. Okay. right. So yeah. Right. The thing uh, Greg was talking about the lasers at the National Ignition Facility. Facility. Trying to come up with a way to do a fusion generator, right? So you can once you start the thing, once you pull that rope and the motor's running, it makes electricity, right? What they're doing is they're shooting lasers at it, and there's fusing happening, but the amount of energy they're able to recoup out of the system is less than what, what they put into the lasers. Into sure. So not a very cost-effective way of making electricity. And uh, there's other uh, possibilities. Like there's tokamak reactors, which are essentially these big toroidal plasma reactors. But still, it's so it, it, it's wispy, thin fusion because it, you have to because it gets really, really hot. Um, and <laughs> you need to be able to contain that. <laughs> and you use big power holding magnetic fields to contain that, but then you have problems with arcing. And there's all this bunch of problems in the field of nuclear fusion research, which everyone thinks that they're basically engineering problems, but they're engineering problems that we have No. So the question I had for you going into this is, sure, the National Ignition Facility is having problems getting this sustainable fusion reaction going. To me, you know, you know a lot more about this than I do. But to me, that doesn't necessarily mean you couldn't use lasers to make a unsustainable explosion and fusion reaction happen. Why couldn't, why could you put it that way? Well, it's because it seems like with all these things, when you hear about fusion, the hard part is controlling the reaction. Well, in a bomb, it's an uncontrolled reaction. Mm-hmm. So, but you also know that in order to initiate fusion, we need very high temperatures and very high energy density. Which is something that, I mean, just having lasers doesn't necessarily mean that you have very high energy density. Okay. Lasers are useful for confinement because a laser is a electromagnetic wave, which means that it effectively can grab hold of charges. Right? So it's, it's, it's light, but it's on various wavelengths. You can grab a hold of charges and manipulate them. That's a nice thing about lasers. Uh then if you do a whole bunch of stuff, you can confine them with some of the lasers and then pump energy in with other lasers. And that's what you have to do effectively is confine this thing, hold it in place, and just zap a whole bunch of energy to make it really, really hot in the very, very tiny, tiniest scales and then get something to happen. But that's a huge amount of energy you're going to have to pour into it just to start that reaction. Sure. The kind of thing that, no, you can't... Your, your lithium in, polymer batteries aren't going to be able yeah, to... <laughs> yeah, you can't put that in five pounds. <laughs> I'm still putting double A's in yeah. the camera. <laughs> you would need uh, much more than every double A in the world. Well, sure. I think near term is perhaps a, a silly way of yes. uh, putting it. But do you think that the potential for this type of technology exists? Well, like I said, if you have that kind of energy density, you have that explosive. Then you don't need. Then you don't need to make it into a laser. Yeah. yeah, just just <laughs> use the energy. Yeah, I mean, if you have that laser, yeah. then you make a laser gun. Then you make a laser gun. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be awesome. Maybe. Yeah. Um, 
it, it seems like it, it's it's missing the card for the horse, right? It's missing the story sure. of if you have this kind of energy power, then you already have a weapon, and there's no need to make it into a different kind of into a nuclear weapon because what's there, the point? There's much more scarier technology, more mm-hmm. plausible dystopian yeah. futurist oh, yeah. things I'm, to worry about. I'm scared about a lot more than than <laughs> <laughs> mosquito weapons right now. Yeah. Mosquitoes are scary enough as it is. <laughs> well, they're doing that controlled. Uh, well, they're, tr- they're talking about doing that controlled release of gene drive mosquitoes in Africa. So they have these mosquitoes where the males are impotent, mm. but they uses this gene drive technology where only that generation and their offspring are. Or how's that work? So, well, they could oh, it makes no, no. Okay, so it makes offspring that are impotent. Okay, all right. That must be it. So the males make offspring that are impotent. So that gets at this first generation of exponential, you know, because one mosquito probably makes thousands of eggs, right? So they're been doing this, and because it's only the males, and because of the way this gene drive shuts off, it seems like it's a safe kind of thing to put at the other test but you know there's always the concern of unintended unintended consequences but it sounds like they're getting really close off to look this and I, I meant to get the details on the article but i hadn't i didn't know we were talking about mosquitoes tonight uh and we do they want to do this trial in africa you know and be like the first time interesting thing about mosquitoes is they live their whole lives like well within 100 yards like mosquitoes don't travel so you can do like a localized release of mosquitoes stuff like this, and it's just the way mosquitoes behave. It's not going to go very mm-hmm. far. So what's the goal with the experiment? Uh, it's the control mosquitoes. Control mosquitoes. Malaria. Yeah, malaria, titsy, you know, or the you know the different. I guess malaria, the, the mm-hmm. things that mosquitoes uh, spread because I mean, mosquitoes have killed more humans in the history of Earth than anything else. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you want... Well, they've been vectors, I suppose. They haven't actually done the killing. Well, right. right, right. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to introduce something that would kill the mosquitoes? Well, that the problem is you... That is environmentally harsh, right? The chemicals and sure. stuff that kill the mosquitoes. So this is a way to introduce something that will... Plus, if there's impotent hopefully... mosquitoes out there, there's still bat food. Right. So okay. So that's what I originally thought. Maybe was the goal was to create some type of alternative. It's uh, you know, it. it I, I have to refresh my memory exactly on how the gene drive, you know, but it controls. But the there's population. only bad food one generation, right? I mean, the, right. the, the problem yeah. is if you. Well, but the, the thing is, it, it's not. It's not a. Annihilate mosquitoes off the face of the earth. No, but it's, it's a precipitous right, right. drop in mosquito right. population, one way or another. But you you can you put out. Yeah, I mean, I would. I need to refresh my memory. You put out this small population of males. It mates with females. It makes the babies that can't reproduce. So mm-hmm. then there's a population crash. But you know, there's the surrounding populations are able to come back in. It's it's a it's a maintenance method mm. of controlling mosquitoes, right? Because it's not a permanent thing. You're not wiping out mosquitoes. You're not introducing a genetic flaw. In the mosquitoes that are going to go on for generations and generations and generations, right. and um, I'd have you know you got to look at the details, figure out how how they consider it's safe, where it's not going to chain react, you know, for a thousand years, mm-hmm. where it's just two generation type thing. 
wonder if the bats would get upset about GMOs. <laughs> <laughs> These mosquitoes taste funny. Walk into, walk into Whole a, Foods and I'm you I'm on a no gluten. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I mean, it's a question, right? Like, okay, so the bats eat all mosquitoes pretty much exclusively for, you know, the, the, mos- the insect-eating bats, right? They eat all the mosquitoes. If it has this different gene, you know, I'm not a geneticist, but, you know, you got to make sure it doesn't affect the bats. And uh, a gene related to reproduction probably won't have too much effect on the flavor of mosquitoes to a bat, but who knows? I mean, I I don't think that bats are into fine dining. I mean, as much as anyone, they're probably McDonald's eaters. So it's it's not (laughs) they they don't care as long as they get the the sustenance. And then you, you know, if the population drops, is there going to be enough food for the bats? That's probably that's, probably not. Yeah, that's an interesting question. But 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 enough that the bats will continue to be able to feed, right? But, that's the there but will be some. You could you know think of uh, an area, a rural area, right? You treat the village, hundred yards, two hundred square yards. The bats have a much wider range, mm-hmm. so that that could be a good thing for the bats as well. True. Love bats. <laughs> yeah, go bats. Go bats. Yeah. No, I I do love bats. I think they're fascinating. Uh, in in other bat news, it seems like they're starting to gain a tolerance to white nose syndrome here in in Pennsylvania, New York. No idea. Uh, so starting I don't know about ten years ago, bats started getting this fungus growing on their nose, and it would interrupt their hibernation. And when bats get have their hibernation interrupted, they die, they die because. They're consuming too many calories, and there's no food to eat. Uh, so the the little brown bat population in New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, other surrounding states has like crashed. Like they were on track to be endangered and maybe go extinct, but it's flattening out now. You know, they're getting a tolerance; they're getting used to the fungus. I guess it. Doesn't seem to be affecting the population as bad as it was. As Jeff you know, five years ago. said, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> life finds a way. That's so. I mean, I mean, that's. I mean, that's. I, don't know, I have a soft spot in my heart, you know, for for bats. So you know, and hearing that, you know, it's like nice. <laughs> way to go, bats! Way to go, bats! You did it. I mean, I'm, I've considered building a bat box. So the hard part of a bat box is you got to put. You can't put it on a. Tree. You got the printer. Yeah, you got a 3D printer in the corner. <laughs> you know, a lot bigger 3D printer. It needs to be, you know, I think it should be plywood. Well, yeah, you can make the, build the, the segments. The holder part for it. Right? Sure, you can make yeah. the holder part for it. Um, you can't hang them on trees because then raccoons get into them. So you have to put them on a post. So right, right. then you have to get like a 30 foot post. Then you got to get a post. That's the re- yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the why reason I don't have a bat box is because a 30 foot post is not cheap. Mm. <laughs> bat box is cheap. You know, it's a sheet of plywood that you nail together, but uh, the thirty-foot post is the difficult part. Some people can hang them on their houses. Uh, can you can you put a price on life though? I guess not. I guess seventy-five hundred bucks. <laughs> it's a bat. What's a bat? <laughs> it's not about a bat. It's about the bats. The bats. Well, but your your bat box would be about a bat. No, it'd be perhaps about several fifteen bats. bats. Yeah, quite a few fit in the house. Be a cool reality TV show. How would you get up there to do maintenance? You don't really do maintenance. You... The bottom's open, so the poop falls out. Uh huh. What maintenance do you need to do? You need well, to make when the wood starts to you, rot, you make a new bat box. Don't you want them to not get this, you know, fungus, and so you need to check to make sure. No, it's no, that, that that's a 
Well, now they're resistant. They, they don't. They, they, <laughs> I, I don't think they hibernate in bat boxes. I think it'd be too cold. Okay, so it's just a. It's a, it's a summertime. It's a summer cottage. Summer cottage. Uh, they summer. The they summer in the bat box. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they use caves and things like that for their hibernation. Okay, so uh, effectively, you're making a box that you're never going to see or use, except to see the poop. You can you can watch the bats leave it at night if you if you're so inclined. Suppose they leave at dusk. I've, I've watched bats leave bat boxes. Oh, at dusk. Okay. So it's like in Austin, they have that cave right. that has yeah. tons and tons yeah, of bats. Not that many bats, but yeah, yeah. The um, about the white nose syndrome. We you know one other real quick thing. Cornell University was doing like trying to do research on this, so they made an artificial cave, basically this big concrete enclosure they buried in the ground, and they would before hibernation season they'd go in there disinfect the whole thing, you know, to see if they could control from, you know, whether it was communicable or, or what, you know, trying to do research on it. So, you know, there are universities making artificial caves for bat hibernation. That's what you should make, an artificial cave for, for bat, bat hibernation. hibernation. That sounds expensive. <laughs> a little sounds, bit more than a bat box. Come on, Mr. Wayne. Didn't I say that I didn't want to buy a 30-foot post? You did, but you never said anything about not building oh. a giant cave out of concrete. Sinking a huge concrete cave into the ground. Yeah, that, that's yeah. doable. If you did do that, then I would be like, why can't we get these mics? Store your beer in there. <laughs> Temperature good. Yeah, there you go. Yes, there's beer, guano all over the a, barrels. but It's a bat beer cave. It's a there for the beer. beer. I don't think I've never seen that. I've been to a lot of breweries, and I've never seen a bat beer cave. And you could be the first. Bat beer cave. You know, there are those... That coffee that's made with civets that eat it yep. and then yep. poop mm-hmm. it out. Is there something we can do with bat guano and beer? It's a mosquito. Digest the mosquitoes. <laughs> it makes great fertilizer. And gunpowder. Gunpowder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably not. No. no. Not civets. We could run some experiments. I mean, there's, there's the <laughs> elephant coffee and the civet coffee. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah. I read the other day that, that elephant coffee is becoming a lot more popular because of the way... People have now found out that the civets are treated, oh. which isn't great. Yeah. Oh, is there, are the elephants so, treated great? I think probably better than the civets. Oh. So I didn't, I didn't know that there was confined civets being force-fed coffee beans. All the stuff that I had read is, you know, you go out in the woods scavenging for civet poop. That's the ideal situation. Um, I think some people had started to take advantage of the system well that's what happens i mean you're uh if there's enough demand for it you you're in farming. an undeveloped country with no means of production no means of making money oh, yeah you're going to poach the rhinos you're going to enslave the civets you're going to you're going to make the cocaine right because mm-hmm. that, that gets you money that you wouldn't otherwise have so oh yeah grow the poppy grow the poppy mm. wow that turned yeah, that turned quick. <laughs> wow. We were on this nice... Re- so bats are... Ter- well, bats yeah, are back. Right? Yeah. Well, we were on bats bats are back. this nice thing about Love mass destruction, bats. and we have to go into... <laughs> yeah. that, the mood was up. How do you everyone? like our pre-show format? Isn't <laughs> this kind of... This is great. But, you know, in the main show, we won't want to talk about bats or civets or, yeah. or lasers and 3D printing. Yeah. It's fascinating. I've learned like seven new things since coming into this room. Wow. <laughs> that's that's a lot. Yeah, my daily average is like two. So 
We well, just got to listen to the pre-show. And I learn. know. <laughs> it's a separate RSS feed. You'll see if you search it, like iTunes for Craft Beer Radio, see the extras. This this and the after show go there. Nice. So you have to opt into it. but Opt in. Yes, we should start the show. Yeah, I guess. Start the show. I'm pumped. All right. Do my pre-show.